We've spent the last couple of weeks in Hebrews and we've heard the story, the roll call, the, the, the hall of heroes where the saints and those who now rest in glory, those who are timeless, they've gone on to their eternal home. And so that's where the Hebrews preacher continues today. And I want you to consider for a minute things that you consider that are timeless. Think in your head for just a moment those things that, that never pass away. I know for me, I often hear the word timeless. Um, many of you know I like to watch a lot of HGTV, and I'm always thinking about what else we can modernize or, or what we can rearrange. But in HGTV, they're always modernizing these homes, but then inevitably, when people go on their home tour at the end, somebody will say, oh, I just love the marble on that, that countertop. It's timeless. And I often think, how is that timeless if you just modernize the whole home? Is that, that countertop never going to pass away while you modernize other things around you? We hear about skincare products that say they will make you timeless. They will make you look like you never, ever age. You can always be that 20-something version of yourself. But what truly is timeless in our lives? Those things that that have meaning for each and every one of us. Maybe it's certain relationships that you have with others. You know that no matter what, that relationship is unshakable, that you have such a great love for someone that it will never pass away. There are certain structures that may seem unshakable or unbreakable. Back in 2017, there was an earthquake in central Mexico, and it was pretty devastating. It was 7.1 magnitude. And it killed 369 people and it destroyed countless homes and countless buildings. And it took a long time for people to begin the rebuilding process. But several months later, as archaeologists were uh, observing this Mexican pyramid, they, they had their, their radars out and they were checking the structure and, and the foundations of this pyramid that, that dated back to the 13th century. They realized something was a bit off within it. And what they discovered was that there was this Aztec temple within the pyramid that nobody had ever known about. It was, it was rather small, it was about 20 feet wide, but it was this Aztec temple that dated back before this pyramid was ever built. They had built it on top of the temple. And it was dedicated to this Aztec rain god. And they said that the discovery brought this whole host of information about the Aztec people that these archeologists had never known. It's hard to sometimes reconcile the destruction that something like an earthquake can cause with this beautiful discovery of the sacred and the ancient that was held within that pyramid. The Hebrews preacher, he describes something very similar when he is writing to the different followers of Christ who are scattered about. They are no longer in Israel. Many of them are living in Rome. They're facing persecution and they're trying to figure out how do we continue to live faithfully when we're persecuted over and over and over again? Is it worth it? And the Hebrews preacher, as he's writing to them, he recalls that which is temporary. He talks about Mount Sinai, which they would remember, they would know that well from, from the Old Testament, from the ancient scriptures. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai and the Israelite people stayed at the base of the mountain and darkness consumed the mountaintop. There was thunder and there was lightning and there was gloom and they were terrified. 
The scripture even says that Moses was terrified, even though he had been called by God to go up there. I imagine if you're on top of a mountain and all this gloom and thunder and lightning begins to happen, you'd be pretty terrified too. And they begin to think, I don't know if Moses is going to come back. He's been up there for many, many days. What are we left here to do? And so eventually they decided that they were going to create this golden calf to worship, this small God, if you will, because they were placing their faith in something that was temporary. They didn't have faith that the God who had led them out of Egypt was also the God that was up there with Moses and was going to bring him back to guide them to the promised land. They sometimes forgot that things had been promised and they didn't want to believe in that anymore. But the Hebrews preacher, he tells these people who are scattered about, you've got to place your faith in that which is eternal. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there are tribulations. But you have to remain unshakable on the foundation that is Christ, the one that you follow, the one whose example we now live for. He talks about Zion as that heavenly Jerusalem, that place whose foundation is timeless, whose foundation is unshakable, and the residents that live there are angels, so many of them that you can't even count how many there are. Also, there are the saints that have gone on before us, those who have lived their life in faith, those who have run that race, and who now rest in glory. And with them all is Jesus, the mediator of that new covenant. God had made a covenant with the Israelite people, but Jesus came and did away with the Mosaic law and said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. I bring you a new covenant. I bring you a covenant that is not of this earth, but a covenant that is eternal. Follow me, live after my example, and you will find that great glory. If you recall in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples and those others who are following him around faithfully, he says, you have to build your house on a rock. You can't build your house on sand, on that which is fleeting, on that which ebbs and flows with the tide. You have to build your house, your life of faith on a rock, on something that is unshakable, and that is me. I am the living God. I am the one that you should follow. God is faithful, even when our world and our culture seem to be in such turmoil, seem to be fracturing every which way. God remains in the midst of that, calling us to live a different way than the ways of the world, calling us to live a life of love and a life of justice. Christ calls us to work to build that kingdom, which is in the heavens here on earth, to show people that there is a new and a different way. If you've ever witnessed a, what's called a controlled burn, you probably know that you've seen how the, the trees remain and the landscape around it becomes black and charred. A lot of times people will do a controlled burn. It's to mitigate the damage that, that an uncontrolled wildfire can do. I've seen it done in Alabama, particularly in the Talladega National Forest. And these burns are, are created in a certain small area where they're trying to burn off the dry debris, the dead debris, so that that undergrowth that easily catches fire, if a wildfire did occur, it wouldn't just take off to a point where firefighters couldn't contain it or control it, which would eventually mean that property and lives could be destroyed. 
So they do this controlled burn to burn all that off. And if you've noticed, you'll see the black in the chart. It's left there for a while. But if you go back a few weeks later, you begin to notice new life emerging in the midst of the rubble. You notice greenery popping up through the black and the charred landscape. Because after a while, once that dry and that dead brush is gone, the soil begins to rejuvenate itself. It begins to renew, and that new life begins to reemerge. The Hebrews preacher describes God as a consuming fire. And for some people, that might be a little scary. But if you think about it kind of like a controlled burn, you realize that, that when you allow God to consume you, that it begins to burn off the dry and the dead, the things of this world that, that seek to consume us, and it consumes us in a way that we live for love and that we live for Christ. When you truly live for God, you begin to think differently and act differently. Instead of an eye for an eye, you turn the other cheek. If you allow this world, if you allow this culture to consume you, and sometimes it can be consuming, it can be downright depressing at times, but if you allow that to consume you, then you will, truly will be in that temporary realm. But if you allow yourself to rise above and to follow Christ, to seek to share love, to seek to show love, to seek to be affirming of other people, when you begin to care for those on the margins, you see that your life is different. You see that the things of this world don't overwhelm you quite like they once did because you're working for that eternal kingdom. You're working to show others that and to build that here and to build that now. Place your faith in that which is unshakable, in that which is truly timeless and will never go away. Let us pray. Eternal and everlasting God, we give you thanks for your faithfulness to your creation. We give you thanks that in the midst of all that this world holds, in the midst of all the dry and the dead debris that needs to burn away, that you continue to come to us again and again and again, that you seek to consume us with a fire that burns so deeply and so brightly that it can only renew and can only restore. God, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to let your light in, to seek to follow Christ, to seek to love others as you, as you would have us love. God, help us to place our value in the things that are eternal. Holy God, we do pray this day for our world. We pray for those who are rebuilding after floods and devastating fires. We pray for those who are living in places of war. God, help them to feel your love and your presence. Help them to know that they are not alone and to witness your light coming through those who are trying to help, from those who are trying to be your hands and your feet. God, we pray for those who are closer to home. We pray for those who are grieving this day, they, that they may feel your deep and your abiding peace that passes all understanding. 
Help them to rest in the memories of their loved ones as they seek to continue on in this life. And Holy God, we pray for those who are sick and for those who are hurting. We pray for those whose names that we bring with us today and for those whose names are known only to you. Fill them with your healing. Fill them with your love. Be with those who are caring for them, with their doctors and their nurses and their family members, giving them wisdom and strength to continue on. And God, we pray for all those who are celebrating joy this day, for the joy that comes from the many victories that, that they have, have accomplished, and for the joy that comes in knowing you. God, we lift all these requests to you now, and we join together in praying the prayer that your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.